Welcome to the Lift for Life podcast, and this is our second version with a guest. You'll remember last time we had a guest, it was just me because Angus was in Cornwall. And this time we've got a guest in my kitchen. So myself, Angus and Matt are sitting in our kitchen and about to discuss his weight training regime with one arm. So uh, I met Matt a few weeks ago. I'm about to describe how I met him in extraordinary situations. But first of all, I should introduce the people. So we have Angus, as ever, with us, and Matt Gamble. So Matt, thank you very much for coming to this evening to do this recording session. So a few weeks ago, I was in the gym doing my Angus-programmed, call it G-Rocks. Yes, a sort of version of High Rocks. G-Rocks came first, obviously, and they were inspired by your programming, of course. Absolutely, absolutely. And it involves jumping from running to rowing to ski ergs and i was getting pretty exhausted and on the on the final set of this backwards and forwards i turned around i was about to give up i thought i can't carry on like this and matt was standing behind me strapping himself up about to do i think it was was it lunges uh might have been lunges might have been deadlifts yeah one thing or the other and and I was having a problem with the rowing machine, and Matt, with one arm, was trying to do these weights. And so I thought, I can't possibly give up when he's struggling to do that. So I carried on, and we ended up having a chat after my session, and I asked him lots of questions and said, you've got to come on our podcast. And so here he is. So first of all, Matt, can you explain your disability because I asked you about the disability and I was a bit nervous about using the word disability but then you came back to me and said you shouldn't be nervous so explain your disability explain your perception of how other people should ask you about it and maybe also how it happened yeah and thank you for having me yeah disability is a weird word and I, and I don't think it's something people should shy away from particularly when you're talking to it creates an awkwardness and I think if you can take away that awkwardness when you're talking to someone who's disabled then that will only help them so disability yeah I think people can get nervous around the word but it's it's something that I'm very open to talking about and always have been and I think without talking about it then you're not going to kind of change people who are disabled to kind of think more positively and do things that take them out of their comfort zone so yeah I, I, I basically lost my arm when I was when I was three years old in a tractor lawnmower accident. This was down in Kent at my grandparents' house. I was on a tractor lawnmower. We used to, every well, every summer, we used to cut the grass uh, with my dad, my granddad, and, and one day, a freak accident. Like things happened. I was a nightmare child. I was always getting in accidents and things, and it didn't change after this. <laughs> uh, and an air ambulance off to the hospital, you know, I'm guessing some sort of intensive care. I, I don't know. And then uh, skin grafts and those type of things. And within a few days, I was out of the hospital. But uh, little did I know, little three-year-old me was was probably uh, changed my life quite a lot. So um, a traumatic thing for my for my parents, but not that I remember much of. <laughs> and I think when I asked you about it in the gym a few weeks ago, you said you have very minimal, if any, memories about it. So your life experience is entirely with one arm so this is your normality yeah yeah and i guess that comes into to questions around people when they sort of say well, what are the challenges of having one arm I've, I've i've genuinely got no idea because 
I've never had two arms from a point where I had to do things independently uh, and whatnot. So I don't know how it feels to have two arms. And I think I said to you at that point, it was like if someone gave me another arm, I actually don't think I know what to do with it. Yeah, exactly, you said that. Uh, but I thought what was interesting is 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 how you decided to start going to the gym and weight training because Angus and I meet so many people who are a bit nervous about going to the gym. They sort of feel like they don't know what they're doing, feel that other people will judge them, that they're not bench pressing correctly, that their technique is not good on the squat. And I think you're quite a good example that if anyone was going to judge someone, someone with one arm doing these things has got more reason to be nervous about going to the gym than anybody else. So were you nervous the first time you went? How, how was your first gym experience and how did you decide to start going? Yeah, I think any part of life with a disability, you have some nervousness. The gym is just one of those. It's You're quite exposed at the gym, you know, People are walking around with their big muscles like you and G-Dog. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, and uh, it is quite an exposing place. Like when I was younger, I wasn't I wasn't bothered. I used to play football. I was a bit fat, wasn't very fit. Um, I'm still not that fit, but I basically started going to the gym during university a little bit. I kind of went and did a little bit of this and that. But then it was after university, I was playing golf and Anyway, got back problems and things and, and decided I need to do something about these back problems before they get too bad. And that's when I thought, you know, weight training, build up those muscles in my back. I kept getting told by physiotherapists, don't forget it, go to the hospital and, you know, all, all trying to help. But when I was younger, it was always trying to get you to do certain things like a with a with a wee fit board and lying on it and getting you to move both arms and building up the muscles in your back. But I never really did it. And it wasn't until I got a bit older and I started getting all these back problems. I was like, oh, I actually need to do something about this. And weight training was one of those things that I'd never really committed to, never really done. And it was something that I was always kind of told to do. So I, um, yeah, that's when I, that's when I took out parties to prevent injuries in the future. And also as I've learned, as I've started doing it is, is I love just the going to the gym, being by myself and kind of. I find it quite a peaceful place <laughs> in a way where I can just not have to talk to anyone, not have any distractions of people around me. Gym confidence is something that many people struggle with. And I speak to, I would say almost thousands of people a year on social media. And there's this constant, and I will call it an excuse because I was once this very skinny, insecure teenager thinking that everyone was watching me and naturally let's be honest, with the disability that you have, people will look at you in the gym and you, you even say it yourself, it is what people are thinking, oh, how did that happen? What advice would you give to the people who obviously don't have what you have, but to anyone who's struggling with that confidence in the gym, are there any tips you would give that have helped you overcome any gym anxieties that you might have suffered from? Yeah, I wouldn't say I've had any particular anxieties and I guess that goes a bit to my character in the sense that I, I went through a, a bit of a mental health crisis uh, when I was at university and actually I I kind of got to the point where actually I went I don't really care what people think of me and I, I definitely do still care what people think of me but in a way it I kind of went through that process and as a you know person with a disability a visible disability you know people can see it you get looked at walking down the street you know three-year-olds in the supermarket mummy daddy 
Um, there's a boy with one arm, you know, or man with one arm. You, you get it all the time. So you kind of get a bit of a harder shell to it. And I think that helps kind of in the, in the applying that to the gym is, I, I don't really, <laughs> they have a bit of a bad answer. But I don't really have much advice to people other than to kind of just try and block it out. I, I everyone's gone to the gym for the first time at some point and they've all done, you know, whatever it be, a squat wrong or a, and I certainly don't do them correct. I'm pretty wonky with my squats actually. I was looking in the mirror today. <laughs> But everyone does things wrong at the start. And I think I did get a personal trainer at the start who showed me some exercise and helped me adapt exercises and things. But it is just kind of blocking it out. And, and if people are judging you, then people are judging you. The, that's their problem, not, not yours, is kind of how I live with it now. Tell us about the first day in the gym, though, because you said you didn't care about what people thought. But how do you know what to do? You, you said you got a personal trainer, but... Do you have to get a special personal trainer that specializes in people with one arm? How did you deal with that first experience? So my first my first thing about going to a gym was I used to just go and kind of find the pec machine and I could do with my elbows the um I don't even know what you call them, but the you know, the thing you can stick elbow pads on. I don't think they have one at our gym, but uh, and I started doing that and then I'd kind of go and do a little bit of some some sort of back exercises, uh, some sort of rows. I could kind of use my prosthesis and, and work that out. And I kind of, that was when I was at university and was just kind of going to the gym for something to do. Uh, and then when I came back from uni, I was at home, I was getting paid. I was like, oh, I've got a bit of, bit of spare money. And I was actually going to a different gym in Fulham. And then my personal trainer came up to me, saw me trying to do my exercise and said, you know, if you want some help, then give me a shout and got in touch with him. And, and uh, he showed me quite a few exercises I could do uh, using basically the most important thing is a daisy chain climbing ropes they call them daisy chains and the ankle things the ankle straps, ankle straps yeah. that's the one uh, that people use and i put those around my arms and you can do a lot of things it's surprising how many things you can do with those two items um, kind of acting like a forearm so what i always find extraordinary is that when i'm doing my barbell back squats i put the bar i get under the bar and i hold the bar with each of my hands but you've only got one hand so can you explain to the listeners how you do a barbell back squat with one arm yeah so this was something like this is one of the things i actually love about going to the gym with one hand is when you discover something that you didn't think you could do but you can actually do uh, and this was one of those things i always used to use um, a smith machine like um kind of like hack squats type thing with the with the uh, the Smith machine doing squats and that just allows for the stabilization really but like it was kind of niggling I think it was niggling my back a little bit and not allowing for that sort of full range of motion so I thought right I'm just gonna go and pick up a 20 whatever I think they I think at the gym they've got 10 kilogram um bars bars yeah and so I grabbed one of those and just thought oh, I'll just give it a go I mean if you drop 10 kilograms drop 10 kilograms so I just was giving it a go I thought well I could actually do this and then just progressively started adding weight and then managed to get to the point where I could could do it like this is with no additional equipment this is no additional equipment just wrapping my stump so I've got you know, my stump is is just down to just below my elbow it's pretty pretty much on the elbow joint and I can wrap the arm around that uh, and hold on to it with my left hand and then wrap my right arm sort of around the bar and that works to stabilize it um, so, as I was saying it's a little bit wonky but 
uh, it's working on it. You're obviously extremely confident in yourself. And I mean, it, I find it remarkable seeing you in the gym and the way you train. Has there ever been any times where you've struggled mentally with what you've had? Yeah, definitely. That's if I was to take one challenge from having a disability, you know, it's not your daily life because especially when you lose it at three, you don't really understand how it impacts you. The biggest challenge I think is on is on your mental health. Being a young man in a sort of in this world of Instagram models and roided up fitness people, you see them online and you think you want to be like that, but you're actually, you know, you've got a disability, so suddenly you're not that. Um, and I think specifically when I was at university with a physical difference, if you want to call that a disability, a visible disability, things like just girls, like you struggle because you're different. You're not two arms and muscly and all the rest of it. At that point, anyway, I wasn't. Uh, so that takes a bit of time. And I think that is the biggest challenge with a physical disability is coming over that, is overcoming that. And it definitely took me some time at university. I went through quite a bad patch in my first sort of second year of university and uh it was a bit of therapy and that sort of thing that sort of took me out the other side and I uh, met my girlfriend and things and you know we've been together since so you do overcome these things but it just as it as a young man I think it's it's hard enough being a young man but then being a young man with a physical difference I'm not going to create a sob story but you you do have extra challenges to overcome around confidence and stuff and I feel like that was quite a big tipping point for me personally was, was a kind of overcoming that and just feeling like actually, if people are going to think about me in that way, then so be it. And obviously now golf is a huge part of your life. Yeah. Has that been through your childhood as well? Or did you pick that up later on after uni? No. So was when I was younger, I used to play football, you know, four or five times a week. That was my big thing. Uh, I played other sports, cricket, rugby. They were all on the sort of rotor at, at school and things. But it wasn't until I was about 15, I was uh, staying in Kent where I lost my aunt with my grandparents. And my granddad gave me a golf club and said, why don't you try and hit a golf ball? And I was like, okay. I'd always been interested in it. For some reason, I, I still remember when I was like 10, 11, 12, I always used to sit there in April. And I'd watch the Masters all four days. And I was always obsessed with it, and, but I never really was, I don't know, I didn't think it was something for me because disability and, you know, but I kind of said, give it a go. And I went down and it was, it, he, he had an orchard, which is where I lost my arm and he had a golf hole in that orchard. So about, I don't know, 10 meters away from where I lost my arm, he, I was learning to play golf and he gave me a pitching wedge and a load of balls and sent me out in the, in the garden and I just spent that day and the next few days just hitting golf balls and thinking this is this is great and you know spend a bit of time working out which way i was going to do it so i i only have my left arm but i play backhanded so right-handed and i tried playing left-handed and i was like no i think the backhanded works um i guess it comes from actually being a right-handed person but only having the left hand so that's how i got into golf and i've kind of never looked back uh, i played a bit at school so I, was, so I was 15 and then went to university uh, down in Exeter, then eventually in my final year became became captain down there, and then came back from uni. I wasn't particularly good. I didn't really use the focus on the golf. It was more the drinking side of it. it was, <laughs> that was my thing. Uh, but then when I came back, I went, well, okay, let's do something with this golf because you're getting you're reasonably good at it. But let's like challenge myself to see how good I can get. And that's when I started 
uh, practicing a lot more. Um, around the corner from us, the, the golf simulator caddy club has supported me. Uh, we, yeah, I used to go around there and practice, uh, practice a lot. Now play on these uh, disabled tour. It's called the Edgar Tour, and I play on that. So, what is it you play to? Uh, Ten handicap. Um, so that's as of I think last week. But um, slowly getting it down. I was hoping to get single figures by the end of this summer, but hasn't quite worked out. I mean, that is ridiculously impressive, though. So you've been playing for how long now, is it? Well, I've been playing since about 15, so about nine years, but properly kind of practicing, training for it. About the last two, since I left uni, so two years. Graham, are you much of a golfer? <laughs> Isn't you know the answer to that. You know the answer. Just for show. A special <laughs> podcast cap. Um, but what you said to me in the gym was quite amusing the other week when... I was like, how the hell do you play golf with one arm? And you said to me, Graham, actually, I wonder how people play golf with two arms. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have no idea. I, mean, well, I, I claim to be a bit of a golfer myself, so and I have two arms, and I'm way off being 10 handicapped. So actually, you're, you're, with this podcast, you're definitely right. Yeah, I, I, I've had people go, oh, taking my girlfriend down there and stuff, and she goes, oh, well, how do I hold it? I, oh, I don't know. Ask someone else. <laughs> <laughs> so good but but going back to actually both the golf and the weight training you said to me instagram has been very useful for you so can you explain the power of social media given your disability and how that's helped you train yeah so instagram's huge i think it's so useful when you want to do something with a disability there's probably someone out there with a disability already doing it and just getting in contact with them, it's a great community because everyone who's got a disability knows that, oh, yeah, I once wanted to get into cycling, or I once wanted to get into the gym, or I once wanted to get into golf. I'm obviously going to help this person. So you reach out to them, and everyone's always brilliant with just sending you information, really. And, you know, everyone have a chat. And- but also there's one-armed Instagram influencers. Yeah, yeah, everything. I mean... There's a lot, there's a growing community of kind of one-armed, well, sorry, disabled golf kind of creators. There's a few bigger ones out there. There's a few guys coming up. A lot of them play on these, on the, on the Edgar tour I play on, but then you've got loads. I mean, there's, there's a, I don't know the, the, the lady's name, but there's a poster at the moment on the London underground of a, of a lady with one arm. Uh, she's an influencer who's obviously clearly making great strides with what she does. So there, there's a lot of them out there. It's really incredible. But also, the other thing that's interesting is that I think when you have one arm, isn't there a risk over time that you can develop back problems or I think you said your shoulder rises or something? And so you are doing weight training to try and prevent that future. It's it's not like a referral pain, but it's a referral injury. Yeah, certainly. Like if I, if, if, you know, my, my back's and my chest and my arms are totally different sizes to each other from the left side where I've got my arm and the right side where I don't. So, and you do see people with one arm who are hunched on one side, normally where they're whatever side it is, but they're normally a bit hunched where they've kind of overcompensated and one side is very strong where they use that arm a lot and the other side isn't. And that's where I was getting to with what I was doing. And I was thinking, right, I need to do something to prevent this because when I'm 40 I'm, I mean I'm already having back problems and I 
20, I was 18, you know, I was still having back problems. When I get to sort of 40, 50, I don't, I'm going to probably be led in a bed if I don't start doing something about this. So that's where I was like, right, need to actually action rather than think. Incredible. So, so weight training in effect is not just something you're doing to stay fit and stay mobile and strong now, but also it's a long-term preventative measure. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's key. If you have a disability, then you need to be thinking about that, be thinking about 20 years time, because you know, if you lose a limb now and you're 20, the other side is going to waste because you're not going to be using your right arm as much compared to your left arm, um, even if you are a very strong person at that point. Well, that, that's absolutely no doctor's advice from me, but I can only imagine that's right. <laughs> but, but that's a message to anyone though, right? Is actually, particularly with this podcast being the, the Lift for Life podcast and the theme of it, of course, the main theme being weight training, is the real message is actually think of how this is going to impact you in 20 years time and how you feel, let's say for Graham when he's in his mid 70s, how you'll feel then is in, going to be incredible compared to some of the people you might know. Yeah, absolutely. Moving out a little bit, in my fact preparation. Yeah, Matt's a big listener of the Lift Life podcast already, and he knows G-Dog as fact man. So he was very excited about what he'd come out with, and he came out with some interesting things, which you're about to hear now. <laughs> so I was doing some uh, studying on people with one arm and various disabilities, and I thought, well, Matt's going to come in, so we're going to have a big, detailed discussion about um, Paralympians. And, and uh, some of Matt's heroes. And the Matt's heroes, and we're going to discuss it in great detail. But before we came on air, I was discussing, you know, Matt, so um, what's, what's your view on uh, you know some of the big names like um, Liam McGarry, uh, Olivia Broom. Legend. And he's, <laughs> I didn't have a clue about any of them. I, I suppose it's, it's these prejudices that we have that you just realize in these situations, just because I'm able-bodied doesn't mean to say I know every single Olympian in the world. <laughs> exactly. So why should Matt be expected to know every Paralympian in the world just because he's got one arm? Um, but I'm going to use the facts anyway because I thought it was extraordinary. So we're obviously gearing up to um, the Olympics in Paris next year. And the uh, uh, the Paris Paralympics are going to be the 28th of August to the 8th of September 2024. And there is powerlifting in the Paralympics. It's only one exercise, though. It's bench press. And it's just astonishing. It really puts, I think, definitely me and Angus to shame. So the Olympic record for male Paralympian bench pressing is an Iranian guy called Ahmad Aminzadeh, and he benches 255 kilos. The record for a woman is a Chinese woman called Zheng Fei Fei, and she benches 158 kilos. Which is still more than Graham and I. Just crazy, crazy. <laughs> so, crazy. so clearly we're not working hard enough. <laughs> it's unbelievable, unbelievable. So, so yeah, uh, I was just absolutely blown away by, by this, and there was a uh, Paralympian Championships also took place in uh, in Dubai this year, 22nd of August, and it's uh, quite extraordinary. It's a big Instagram page about it. There's a load of stuff on the internet about it, and it's uh, it's quite inspirational when you look at what these guys do. So it's uh, it's damn impressive. If we're to wrap it all up and discuss what you would say to someone listening to this podcast, nervous about going to the gym, uh, never done any weight training before and um, able-bodied or, or disabled, um, what, what's your advice? Yeah, my first piece of advice would just be go to a gym, get to a gym, and actually just spend time in a gym and realize that it's not that scary a place. 
there will be scary looking people about but they're probably not that scary most people in the gym that i found are just lovely people they just want to help they just want to say oh cool see what you're doing like it's just people that are interested so first thing would be just to get in a gym and understand that it's not that bad a place and second thing would be to either you know find someone a personal trainer or something who can put you on a plan and and get you training properly because i think without having that sort of consistent plan i mean i'm using the same plan but i consistently can use it it's probably not the perfect thing to do is it? <laughs> so sorry uh, <laughs> but um that's what i would do i think just get in a gym and just see what it's like and what are you looking to do next so uh, we, we discussed the other week about your plans about whether it's instagram whether it's your golf whether it's being sponsored you obviously got a full-time job in the financial sector so what are you looking to do next outside of your your full-time financial sector job yeah yeah it's busy it's busy i'm doing a master's as well uh, alongside that so it's it's all fun and games at the moment but my golf is just to see how good i can get i don't you know i don't want to put a target on it necessarily unless uh, other than let's see how far i can take it let's see how much better i can get and with the gym i don't have any particular goals in mind per se it's it's partly to help my golf but it's also just to prevent myself in the future but, but that's a lot of what i've done it for and then second thing is to to get stronger and just get more mobile just feel healthier but I've, I've done you know i've done reasonably well with my golf i've i've won a couple of competitions so far and you you're sponsored is that right uh well caddy club um the local uh, simulator they um i'm one of their ambassadors uh, they sponsor me um they're brilliant they've been really good at supporting me and and wanting to support disabled golf and i think that's you've got to do these things to to promote it and promote disabled sport in itself because i think sport whether it's the gym whether it's golf whether it's Dis- disability tennis whatever sport you want to do sport and disabilities is the best thing for it you meet like-minded people you meet people with similar disabilities you meet people with different disabilities but all are helpful to talk to because they have all gone through your challenges and are you looking to scale your own instagram as well yeah yeah the uh, it's called it's called the one-armed bandit um golf uh, for anyone who wants to wants to follow <laughs> um it's uh yeah i'm trying to i'm trying to build that a bit build a bit of uh awareness i mean the main reason for doing it was a bit of a joke to be honest at the start um hence the name i kind of put this stupid name on there and just posted videos of me playing golf uh and then it started to get a bit of traction not it's not you know huge or anything but and then i thought oh well i might as well use it and i was starting to get interest in terms of like oh we can sponsor you with your disabled golf if you uh help us out a bit and stuff and i had a few conversations like that with people and and I was like, oh, well, yeah, it's it, it's not free to do these disabled golf competitions. You you have to pay. And I've won two of them. And I definitely haven't earned back my, even my entry fee for the, for the competition uh, with winning it. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it can be tough and it, you know, 300 quid a time to go and play these competitions and including all the tra- travel and stuff. So you've got to, you've got to fund it somehow. And, uh, and, and definitely having, trying to get built and build a bit of a profile and build some sponsors and things would, would help with that. Well, Matt, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, which was an extremely inspiring conversation. Graham and I, I'm I'm actually glad that you pushed Graham to work even harder in the gym, and I didn't know he was slacking. So to discover that he is slacking in the gym is not good news, and we will we'll be having words, Graham. But thanks so much for coming on. To all the listeners on this podcast, hope you enjoyed the episode with G-Dog and I, of course, hosting. And please like, follow, share, subscribe. And you'll be hearing from us again soon. Thanks so much. Cheers, Matt. Cheers, Angus. Cheers. Bye.